getting like the, the chi right around so oh my god i had the same exact question here's the thing uh-huh i want to be a skeptic and i want to be judgmental and i'm trying my hardest not to be because the majority of the reason that i probably feel that way is jealousy <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not looking to be like a, a skeptic. I'm looking to just to go like, oh, these are really interesting, sophisticated lyrics. Like, I, I look at her and I don't think, oh, did she have these experiences where she was crying on the bathroom floor? I guess it's possible, you know, a lot of young girls do, but she seems like pretty cool and popular. Like the, like, like the odds of some guy kind of treating her that way seems less likely though it's totally possible oh i think no one is um exempt from heartbreak and like especially like if you're i think the prettier you are <laughs> or the, you're like the, the more insecure you are so you're like choosing shitty people so like it's very possible um, so we're just, we're dropping into this episode raw, guys, really raw. So Nick and I, <laughs> without any context, we're watching Olivia Rodrigo because uh, Nick didn't do his homework. I didn't do my homework. So we just watched Olivia Rodrigo songs together. Um, and now the question is, did she write her own song? So uh, this is quoted from Distractify. She wrote two of the songs entirely on her own, which are Enough For You and Happier which we didn't listen to either of those. The others were all collaborations with music producer Dan Negro. Negro. Uh, Nigro? And, uh, Nigro. And I, <laughs> Chiaro. Uh, before I met my collaborator, producer, and co-writer, in many instances, Dan Nigro, I would just write songs in my bedroom completely by myself. Okay, so let's look up what songs did we just listen to? We listened to Deja Good for Vu. You Good and for Deja you. Vu. Let's start with who wrote Good for You? Let's look this up. So, I, what I will say is Good for You totally reminds me of like a Paramore song from like the early 2000s. So, someone purposely made that song sound that way, like so that it had enough nostalgia for kids my age. Or like, you know, my generation and up. And it was sounded new for the young kids. Who wrote? It's It looks like the Olivia and Dan. Yeah, no, no. I think they wrote it all. I think they, oh gosh. <laughs> what? Do you see how old Dan is? Oh, yeah. Well, he's wow. We must be like, you know, a producer. She's obviously, like, I'm, she, I, I think she's probably very talented. She knows how to make songs, yada, yada. But. These songs are very well produced. They're oh, really hold on. Cute. So there's a picture I'm seeing. It can't be the same Dan Nigro. Why? Because I'm seeing an old man. And then I'm seeing 39-year-old Dan Nigro. It's a whole different looking person. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that now, too. Oh, yeah. Some, that must be a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> this, this guy does look more likely to be... An guy. accountant. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah. The guy that we thought. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he did not. This guy you... somehow, somehow if... found his way into these pictures. Like, oh I my think gosh. There's, I think he's Dan Nigro. For, Every... for some... 
everybody should listening right now should should google dan nigro no here's the thing he's gonna be the cover he's gonna be the cover of our our episode (laughs) the first picture that comes up is totally i guess an accountant uh i guess if this was the guy you were feeling like Oh, he's like a creepy old man who's. Oh no! Songs with I his- didn't think he was a creepy old man. I actually was not going to be shocked because a lot of people that write songs that are like geniuses, but are like behind the scene people. Like some of the best Christmas songs were written by Jewish people. Like there are people who are musical geniuses that just go here. Here's a song. Enjoy that. You're, you know. So uh, I. A hundred percent. But this does. This is not what they look like. I don't fuck. That's judgmental, Nick. No, it's stereotypical. <laughs> and, and and there's a reason why stereotypes are what they are, because there is a certain classification of an older music producer. This is not what an older music producer looks like. What this looks like is an older music manager. Is what I this can see that. Like. I can see that. Right. I can see that. Um, I can see that. When then, you know, that's, you know, and then, which, which could be a thing. It could be like an older music manager is really good at also at, at helping to like, you know, write lyrics and fortify lyrics, but it doesn't quite, it just doesn't quite drive. <laughs> Listeners, uh, please, please just Google this so you can decide for yourself. It is incredible the disparity between what I expected and what the picture was. That's all. That's what I will say. I think, I think because this is Googleable, we we can, it's a licensed image. Shit. But, okay, I want to use this for our. <laughs> cover cover uh art this episode here's here's the here's the skeptic in me he's what i'm looking at this guy i think it's the same guy like there's more pictures of him i looked him up i think he's the new york fire department commissioner what (laughs) which is how did you how did Oh, it's oh. a this is a Getty image of all things. He's got his he's got his own uh he's got his own Wikipedia page. He's the commissioner of the New York Fire Department. Oh uh, my God. His appointment was announced on May 9th, 2014. I mean he had to be somebody of note for Google to have matched his name to make this that, happen. That is incredible. Incredible. But the real Dan Nigro is a 39-something former indie band frontman, which makes a total makes total sense. Because what Deja Vu, no, good for you, had like Kings of Leon in there, had Paramore in it. Um, it was clever. It's a clever song. Here's the thing. Adele doesn't write her own songs. Adele like might contribute a verse or something but like i i'm a singer songwriter i can write songs i'm a singer i'm good at all of this but i'm also limited by the amount of guitar chords and piano chords that i know so i would love work i worked with partners to write some amazing songs so it's really incredibly possible that olivia had a huge contribution which it also doesn't matter if she did or didn't right well, no, it doesn't matter in terms of her sort of value as an artist or like her, you know, judging in that sense. What I'm curious about is not about judgment. It's just more about 
you know, seeing a, a young artist be able to communicate sophisticated ideas, right? And just wanted to know, like, well, what's your experiences that you're able to, to write this? Um, totally valid to, you know, look, I'm an improviser. I, I'm all about collaboration. There's a reason why I'm not a stand-up comedian. I don't, I, I bounce off ideas, you know, that's just the way I create. There's a lot of people who are like that. And definitely with music, I mean, yeah, all over the map, some of your favorite songs are probably weren't written by the people who sing them. And she's um, 18. So that's the thing too. If, if we look back at like the seventies, Nick and stuff like that, we had 20 year olds writing some incredibly sophisticated songs. So um, one of the songs I wrote, I was 15 or 16 and it still is viable today. Um, I I'm with you. It's like hard to imagine because it's been so long since you've been 18 uh, that you were actually really clever at that point. Wait, say I'm uh, sorry. Say it again. I was no, just going fuck you, dude. What's you weren't I, listening. No, because I was looking at you know what I was doing. I was You're looking, looking at up, your phone because you got a text message. No, you heard that. But that's not what I was looking at. I was looking up. I was trying to find somebody like her who may have written all their own songs. I looked up Taylor Swift. Right. And Taylor Swift did write every song on her 2010 album Speak Now. I know was that her first album. So there's also all sorts of like conspiracy theories with Taylor Swift that she isn't actually the age that she says she is. Apparently her father bought the first 20,000 copies of her record so that it would actually get put on the billboard. Like there's like, but it doesn't matter because she's huge now, right? There's also theories that she didn't write her songs, but but it doesn't, that doesn't track now because she, you know, put out an out. I, I think Taylor Swift probably wrote a lot of songs. I think the narrative is that she writes all of them. I don't know. They, there's some writers out there that will get paid a certain amount to take their name off of it completely so that it's just that artist's song. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting paid back-end dividends, but or they got paid a million dollars for that fucking song to never say that they wrote it. Um, and a uh, yes, it's funny because... I compared Olivia a little bit to Taylor Swift, too, because similar age range. Also, Olivia's very, very thin. I'm not. It's not sh shaming. She looked unwell thin. Oh yeah. Okay. To me, to me, just and, and I'm not shaming, and I hope she is healthy. But but that was just when she stood up in the um, the cheerleading what? outfit. Oh, it's funny because I saw that look on your face, and what I thought is you were thinking like, "Oh God, the very young girl being overtly sexual." That's what I thought your face. Okay, was. there was a lot of that too. <laughs> <laughs> but then think about Britney Spears, who's sixteen, wearing a fucking like. There's so many. Well, was Britney uh, Spears sixteen at that age? At that I don't know. The Britney Britney started as an eleven year old on Mickey Mouse Club. But that's the difference. See, like they, you Hold know. On started on Mickey Mouse Club, so they had years of, of being, you know, having to be more conscious about how they represent themselves. But then once they left the Mickey Mouse Club is when they really let things loose. Whereas somebody like Olivia Rodrigo- She was Rodrigo, 16. For what, for her first album? Baby, one more time, for her first album. Wow. And so what has Olivia Rodrigo done before this? Uh. I'm trying to, oh yeah, she's an, also a Disney star. Is she? I was gonna say, oh wow. That's a... 
Like that's it's amazing totally how tracks. much we don't know. Yeah, it totally okay. tracks. She's known for her roles as Nini Salazar Roberts on the Disney Plus series High School Musical, the musical, the series as Paige Albera. Yeah, so God, Disney just churns them out. Well, it is a factory man. So uh, if you've never listened to one of our episodes and you're like, "Wow, these people are all over the episode, <laughs> all over the place," uh, that's that's about right. Nick and I uh, talk about our generational misgivings, misunderstandings, misadventures, uh, and all the things we don't know. And Olivia Rodrigo seems to be like the breakout Gen Z star that is not just for Gen Z, like has traversed generational influences. Would you say? Yeah, from uh, yeah. From my under, from our under, from our limited understanding of pop did culture. Did you yes. like the songs? I I did, and yes, overall, yes, good songs. I really, I I mean, the reason why I went on this lyrical for me is is I really did like the lyrics. I thought the lyrics were, I, I liked them a lot. Um, I thought the songs were good. I asked myself, would I listen to these songs? Like, would I just on my own go and listen to them? I don't know if I would. Uh, maybe. And then I thought, well, would I play them for my daughter? Now, caveat for those who don't know, she's two and a half years old. <laughs> uh, but I do play her adult music, a lot of, you know, songs that probably have inappropriate lyrics. I mean, we talked about The weekend. go back yeah. to episode two or something. And, and she's got a playlist full of songs that are just filled with, you know, female singer-songwriters. So she could be on that list. But am I am I looking at am I going like ooh I want I want to I want to show Clem one of these songs I didn't feel that either it mm. may come you know it may come around that way but um, so there was something missing for me but I could appreciate the goodness of them I definitely loved the lyrics uh, and I am curious to 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 hear more. Uh, Do you think she music. actually knew who Billy Joel was or did Na Daniel Nigro? That is, that Joel. was a funny line for me because it was really strange. Cause it's not even like Billy Joel is that huge. And, and that's possible. Like there's kids who don't know who Paul McCartney was. I don't know if you remember when Paul McCartney was on SNL, I think with Kanye or something like they were collabs and people were like, who's this old guy? <laughs> oh my God. What? <laughs> totally. So, yeah. I mean, so for those who don't know in the song, what was it? What was the song? Good. Does no. She uh, no, Deja Vu. No, was it Deja Vu? Yeah, it was Deja, that yeah. was Deja Vu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was basically like she had this sort of cutesy moment with her ex-boyfriend listening to Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. And now he's having the same moment with his new girlfriend. So it was, yeah, it stood out like, oh, that's a cutesy thing. Like, yeah, I had the same question. Like, who knows? Is Is Billy Joel suddenly kind of like cool in a sort of like, Hey, I know who this guy is because he had spent many years where he was not cool amongst the youngsters. Uh, I, I think her dad, you know, knows who Billy Joel is. That's possible, right? And her dad probably like there wasn't an Italian restaurant like we knew, like like Piano Man. We loved Billy Joel, just like but like peripherally because you knew all the songs because they were on. KR well, 101 or whatever. I love Billy Joel more than peripherally. Okay. He speaks to my soul. I, I mean, don't really. No one asked. So, well, if you look at Billy Joel from certain angles, 
you might see Nick Masu just a little bit. <laughs> what? Especially if I can get my hair as high. No. As, as, oh yeah. No, <laughs> he's he's not attractive. Oh well, no, he has no. No. Um, his a talent is attractive. So by but by, as far as so far as like is, I want to fuck that guy, nah. Oh great! So now you just said I'm attractive and I'm a I want to fuck oh, that guy kind of guy. So that you what deduced you? that. Well, you you just said I'm you couldn't, saying you couldn't look like him because he's not attractive <laughs> and he's not a I want to fuck that guy. You could category. take you could take that to the bank if you want. I, so it's, it's check has been cashed. Okay, great. So. Rolling Stone. So no, it's not Rolling Stone. So the reason why this is also interesting part of the topic is Billie Eilish was fucking dragged in the water for not knowing who Van Halen was. Like she was on Jimmy Kimmel and and it's kind of rude. It's like, hey, 17 year old, you know, all these other songs like it's it's kind of gatekeepery. You know what I mean? So I'm not I'm also not condoning 100 percent the conversation we're having that it isn't not keep gatekeeper. Ing. I, I really I want to be honest that like my skepticism or reticence to like like her or whatever has to be stemming from a literal jealousy like core um and and yet I'm also very knowledgeable in music so I am looking at it with like a critical eye to some extent so, so here's what I will say I liked both of those songs. I thought the hooks were really good. I have a hard time believing she wrote those hooks, but I'm sure she wrote the lyrics. And I can imagine. And if I was heartbroken, dude, I'd listen to that album. I I wrote that album when I was her age. I fucking wrote that album. A guy wrote. I, I dated a guy for a week, and I wrote five thousand songs. And that's not an exaggeration. So I'm like, <laughs> it's like it's a little. It was sociopathic. It's a little scary. How much? I, like it just like got me into this pocket, like this de- like upswing of like creativity. Like I have I have recordings. I just got my iPhone, so like it was easy to record. I have recordings of like my mother walking into the room trying to listen. I was like, get out, because like it's so vulnerable, and that's why I'm not a singer songwriter at this moment. It's because it was too vulnerable for me. Um, it was too emotional. I was too opened up cracked open I, I was I, it was uh it was so much easier to be an actor when someone else wrote those songs or some someone else wrote the writing and that's what actually made improv such a pivotal experience for me because because it really was I mean it was helpful to know that oh my friends are gonna make me look good in improv because that's the conceit but it's still jumping off a ledge and there's absolutely no net you know mm-hmm sounds like you needed a Dan Nigro I did have one, oh. and then that relationship ended very badly. You're not supposed to get romantically involved with your creative I didn't. partner. Oh, okay. They they wanted to. Oh, well. And it, and it just didn't track. Yeah. Now, fine. we were like, we were excellent songwriters together, and it just, sometimes good relationships like that are only meant to last a certain amount of time, and it imploded. Um and I do not uh, think that that won't happen again. I just don't. I, I might even start picking up the guitar again. The reason why I'm really not writing music now is I just didn't want to do it every day. Mm. I just don't want to right now. Um, should, but should we should we write songs together? No. No. Okay. Do you want Do you want to implode? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you want to implode our friendship right away? <laughs> you want to like ride this to the the moon and burn it down as quickly as possible? <laughs> we only have so much gas, Nick. <laughs> I mean, but I have never written a song. I am not musically inclined. So, I mean, why wouldn't you want to write songs with me? Oh my god. Um, okay, so here's here's okay, let me ask you. Would you want me like send you like cuz first of all, we're still remote at the mm-hmm, moment. Mhm. And so I'm thinking, like, for me, if I'm going to write songs, I'm going to pick out the guitar and, you know, like, let's, how does that make you feel? And start, like, humming a melody. How do you, how do you think you would write a song? I think you would improvise it, right? Oh, I would totally improvise it. Because um, you've done improvised Sondheim, and you're particularly very good at it. No, no. You I know, have, I'm trying you have to be a very nice. poor memory. <laughs> I actually never saw you do Sondheim. I don't because think Because so. there's a reason why I don't. Um, we, we, uh, early on our first time the company rehearsed Sondheim and went to perform it. I was part of the rehearsal process. And then right before showtime, I get a phone call from our artistic director. Oh no. And he goes, he starts off going, uh, Nick. And I went, Oh no, Dan, stop right there. <laughs> oh, no. Let me just let you know, I understand. Uh, and I don't, and I'm not offended and I don't care. And he goes, what do you mean? I go. I don't need to do Sondheim. He goes, oh, good. yeah, well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> Honestly, I think it makes you a better artist <laughs> to know your limitations. I was like, look, let me just, I'll just do lights. I, I love doing tech. Uh, let do me just, do the, let me just do the tech. I do, actually. I'm do a huge... you really? Oh, well, that's, to be fair, I was so grateful in so many different ways for you to be in our Heartbeat show because I knew that tech was something that you did care about and so you did help me you emboldened me in a lot of technical aspects for heartbeats for sure oh good yeah no i I loved i mean i'm a theater director i think when you're a theater director you gain a really good appreciation for tech if you don't understand theater tech then you probably shouldn't be a director and there's a lot of theater directors who like don't understand tech and it's you can see it it's obvious uh in their final product but but when you're teching improv, you're live directing the show. And a lot of people don't really think about it that way, but you are, you're, you're, you're calling fades, you're, you know, um, you know what's, how, what's the count on pulling the scene? Is it a bump out? Is it a slow fade? Is it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know? And it's a intuition-based, experience-based position. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at, in, in high school, I took tech. I had a first place winning uh, set design Oh, I, I like I had to make three versions of, of a set from King Lear and do it like one third to scale or something. Oh, like that. And it yeah, was, yeah. It was Classic great. set design. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And yeah, I can't do costumes so much, but I like, oh, shit. This is there we go. Um, let's let's put it this way. The general knowledge that I have with regards to lights and sound and all that does help the actor and the director and all that that I am it's for me it's hard not to be overbearing because I know so much of that stuff yeah you got it yes yes especially when you're around people who don't know it um for those like you said listening who may not know us we do bounce around a lot um we somehow got all the way to set design from Olivia Rodrigo I think that Um, that totally tracks I think I I saw how our brain got there. I, but I want to bring this full circle. You want to okay. know what it, what it would be like 
to write songs with me. Um, <laughs> I, I want you, hold on, pull up, pull up Billy Joel's album, 52nd Street. Okay. And that is, that's my music soul right there. That's a picture of what my Are you serious? Inner musician is like. No, you like ACDC and stuff. What? Wait, what? Sure. You like, who, who doesn't like ACDC? But no. This is you? Oh, yeah. I guess he's fuckable at that age. Uh, no, you, you know who I am. I'm I am I'm Neil Diamond. Uh, I'm. Uh, oh, you're just referring to your chest hair now. Oh no! Well, and my cheese. There's a bit of cheese in me. You got to understand. Um, no, you got to take a shower, Nick. No, no, no. I love that cheese. Don't wash it off. It's a bit stinky, but God, it tastes good. Oh my God. Who am I forgetting? What? what there's another. Oh my God. Why am well, I? Well, there's there's Bruce because Bruce. Bruce. Who yeah, I, I do like Bruce. I love Bruce, but he's, he doesn't have cheese. He's he's steak. He's steak and potatoes. Oh, he's definitely steak and potatoes. Um, why am I like cheese. drawing a blank on the other like Hall and Oates? <laughs> oh, I love me some Hall and Oates. Sure. What else? <laughs> what's your oh? What's your cheese? So it's uh, Neil Diamond, who almost didn't do music because he got laughed out of Santa Barbara, I believe, or Los Angeles. Um, and then came back and was like, fuck you guys. Uh, Billy Joel, Neil Diamond. Who else is Cheeseball? Just, I don't know. Oh, um, Tom. Uh, Tom. You know with Tom Jones? Oh, yeah. Man. It's not I unusual. Mean, yeah. Well, Tom Jones is definitely, like him as a human being, that is definitely, that's definitely within me. I don't, like, I wouldn't say I, him. You don't, you don't I'm listening that. I'm not listening to Tom Jones on a regular basis, but I love, like, Neil Diamond. Any song, give me any uh, Neil Diamond song. Billy Joel, give me any Billy Joel. Totally, totally. I'll take it. Um, you know, these are the kind of thing. These are, you know, they're stereotype, stereotypical, but these are like my. These are my karaoke. This is where I go karaoke. You know. Oh, I don't think that that's a bad thing though, because you are. It's smart to do karaoke with songs that people actually know. And so if you and and these are theatrical songs, it's not surprising that you like these dudes because they're storytellers. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yep. and there a lot is a lot of theatrics to their their present presence and uh, the way that they tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a caveat with majority of my favorite musicians, it's usually that I like every single song, even if I didn't know all of the stuff. And you're like, hey, this is a Billy Joel song you never heard. Chances are, I'm probably gonna like it. Uh, I'm like an album digester usually. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've never listened to this album in its entirety, so I look forward to it. Oh yeah, let's see what's on that album. What what's what are the songs on that album? Let's see. Big shot. Oh. Oh. You had to be a big shot. Don't you had to? I mean, I could sing all probably all these songs. I think. But that's the first track off the album. That's fucking. Could you imagine throwing on a vinyl? And that's the first song you hear? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. What has come out in 1978? Fuck, man. Honesty, which I can't place. Uh, honesty, I don't know. I mean, you do if you know this album. 
Well, I don't really know every song. Yeah, My Life? Not... My know. Life. Yeah, that one. Uh, I don't care what you say anymore. Oh, this is, is my life. Yeah, that one's yep. fun. Zanzibar, which I can't place. I don't know. I actually don't know the rest of these songs. Stiletto, Rosalinda's probably... Eyes. Rosalinda's Eyes, Half a Mile Away, Until the Night. Maybe if I heard them, I would. I'm sure you do. I'm sure. I believe you, Nick, you fucking liar. Just want you to know, I'm looking here. I think Billy Joel wrote all of these songs. Just saying. Yeah, he did. Dude, he did, dude. He did. Just saying. He yeah. did. Now, that being said, like I mentioned earlier, Bing Crosby didn't motherfucking write White Christmas. Well, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's different. It's not. Like, the difference is minuscule when it comes to the average American or average human music experience. All that people sure. care about is sure. that Olivia yes. Rodrigo's cute, that the hooks are good, and that's been the lifeline of music for the last, you know, since 96, pretty much, if you ask me. There are people who fully believe rock and roll died with Kurt Cobain. Did he die in... Oh, 96. I thought for some reason in my head you said 86. I don't know. It was 96 or whatever. Because, like, we get we get Radiohead, which I still think is, like, holding the torch of, like, some fucking incredible, incredible music. I think they still don't even get the, the credit that they deserve. But they've even transcended rock into their own genre as well. Um, yeah. Look, no, I'm not denying the average person experience of listening to music. I'm just not the average person, you know what I mean? I like to look for... Oh, right. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Um, <clears throat> this has been fun. This has also been the last of our podcast. <laughs> talk about uh our our sponsor today which uh smoothly talk about our sponsor (laughs) i think you found it i wasn't even going to talk about smooth my balls but i guess i have to now well there you just did go to smoothmyballs.com slash ydkmpod and get your turf chopper and let us know how smooth your balls will get Uh, i wanted to talk about um we've talked about it once before but my friend scott rubin's book uh, naming your little geek. Now that you know oh, it's not yeah. a- about naming your little member, uh, mm-hmm. is that some like? Isn't doesn't? Uh, let me show you the. Let me show you the cover of the book. Hold on. Oh, I was pulling it up. She took her headphones off. She didn't. So she didn't hear that I actually am pulling it up and looking at it on my computer screen right now. It's not. And she's back. It's not some like easy pamphlet. It's like. A fucking comprehensive. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. Oh, this is so good. I stopped on Max, Maximilian, and that's his youngest son's name. Mm. I don't want to give away his IP, but let's read the first little bit. Some names just scream greatness, and Maximilian, a Maximilian is one of them. It comes from the same Latin root as the word maximum, meaning the greatest, and its different forms. And in its different forms, it's been applied to a wide array of characters in geeky properties. Ugh. 
Some of the least good people rocking this name have included the Empire Strikes Back, General Maximilian Veers, in charge of the Imperial Assault on Rebel Forces on Hoth. Oh, he's just it really he's a he's a historian, he knows all sorts of things, and he just it's a good book. I'm proud of him. Are there any characters named Nick or Nicola or Oh yeah. Oh Nikolai? yeah. Nikolai. Yeah. Nick, Nikki, Nicholas. There's two entries, two different entries for Nicholas okay. and Nikki. Or Nicholas Nicholas and Nick. So Nicholas, from ancient Greek roots for victory and people, comes the name uh-huh. Nicholas. As it the turns victor out Victor of the people, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I'm your I'm your I'm your champion. Okay. As it turns out, the geek culture character with this characters with this name haven't included a lot of true victors. <laughs> but more a mixture of villi- villains villains and heroes with dark sides. Among what we would call good guys are Stargate Destiny's beyond brilliant but paranoid and scheming Dr. Nicholas Rush and a couple other things. So again, we're not trying to give away too much. So Nick Nicky is while characters named Nicholas tend to be less than ideal role models. Those who go by the diminutives Nick and Nicky are generally stand-up guys. Note this isn't the, note that this isn't always the case. You can find people like the goofball son of Satan, Little Nicky, yeah, and DC Comics obsessed and power hungry mage Nick Necro. All right. There. There are a lot of Nicks out there in the world. Have we gone through this before? Uh, Nick's your buddy. Nick's your pal. We've gone through this. We Nick's have not. Guy you can, you, Nick's the kind of guy you can puke in the back of his car and he won't mind. Is that true, it's though? It's a classic. Oh, me? No, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, is a classic from? line from a John Cusack film. Oh. Uh, sure thing. And I don't think uh, I've seen that one. And it's basically he's in the he's in the backseat of the car with this with this friend who's who's pregnant and her and this woman and she's like, What what are you gonna name what are you gonna name the baby? And she's like, Elliot. And he's like, Elliot? Elliot and he starts ripping, you know, and he goes, Hey, why don't you name a good name? So they name like Nick. Nick, that's a name. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's a good calling card for you. Cause you you're definitely not cool as as John Cusack can describe it, but no. You can no. Do, you want to, do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Let's see if we got it. Can you hear it? Mm-mm. You can share it? Is it what you... Can you share the... Oh, yeah, it's okay. very low. Share it where? So the, is there a share oh, right plus? There? Can you do it? Yeah, you probably should be able yeah, to do it. Let's see, share screen. Oh, God. This picture of Dan Nigro is really funny to me. Would like to record this. Uh, oh, Google Chrome would like to record this computer screen. Yeah, yeah, something? yeah, yeah. And make sure you hit share sound. It's, I have to open my system preferences. Oh my god! You can always cut this out, right? You can edit this. Yeah, but I think it doesn't matter. I think this is how this is the this is the sausage, and people like the sausage. Okay. Uh, Google Chrome will not be able to record the contents of your screen until it is quit. Oh Jesus! How about I just send you the link and you play it? Yeah, let's do that. That's the that's the alternative. 
Uh huh. Oh, I'm talking to Jess. That's my daughter, y'all. She's just coming to check on me, and she's gone. She's like her producer. Hey, you're still talking. To, you're still talking to Jess, right? <laughs> I got someone else on the line for you. <laughs> Th their name is Peppa. Peppa Pig. <laughs> it's hard. To, it's hard to get her, but we got her. So please <laughs> let her in. Did you send the link in the? I, oh, I just texted it to you. Oh, I'll, I'll put it in the chat. Sorry. Yeah, put it in the chat. That's okay. You're just not fucking smart. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, there are many ways to get you a message. Oh wow. Okay. What? No, I just I I I, I digested that as easy, <laughs> which is not accurate, obviously, because that's not what you meant. Is what I mean. Uh, okay, let's see. Let's listen to it. What are you gonna name it? What? The baby. Oh, baby. Well, if it's a girl, Cynthia. And if it's a boy, Elliot. They're lovely names. Elliot? <laughs> can name the kid Elliot? Can't name the kid Elliot. No. Elliot is a fat kid with glasses who eats paste. Not gonna name the kid Elliot. Gotta give him a real name. Give him a name. Like Nick. Nick? Yeah, Nick. Nick's a real name. Nick's your buddy. Nick's the kind of guy you can trust. Kind of guy you can drink beer with. Kind of guy who doesn't mind if you puke in his car. Nick. Yeah. Oh, vomit. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Why is it bad that he said puke? Because it's a uh, vulgar word at that time. Puke. Was it really? Mm hmm that's interesting so wait that's not the same actress from the in your rise song right the where he's holding up the record well this is sure thing so isn't that is that from the isn't it from the same movie sure isn't that record holding up so. from from sure thing i don't think so uh... it does seem like that's a sequel though and is it his baby that he's talking about or is that his sister uh, no, the, no, I, I I can't remember the exact. No, that's not his. No, no, they're. I think they have like. God, it's been so long since I've seen that film. I think they have, like a, they're they're friends, but there's you know obviously sexual tension. Ah. Uh, oh, then that's not the same thing. Uh, In your eyes, that is. Ah. Uh, I will tell you this. John Cusack, even today, is probably like top ten. Oh, for you? Yeah. So he he made the attractive. I would fuck him less for you. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's your favorite? Oh, it's say anything. That's right. Say, say anything. anything. Right. Um, what's your favorite John Cusack movie? Ooh, uh, High Fidelity, just because it's all music and. Uh, it's also closer. To my age, closer to your age, yeah. Well, it's not, but it's a fresher movie, right? Like it's not an '80s movie. I'm, I, I, I'm down with the '80s, you know, John Hughes shit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of your sort of like, what's the first time John Cusack made an impression on you? It's probably High Fidelity. I think that's yeah. right. I think that yeah. makes sense. But he wasn't like unfamiliar at that point. Um, but well, I don't know that. Well, no, he was already huge by that point. No, for me. Yes. 
Because that movie comes out in the early 90s or mid 90s, right? And I'm young at that I think, point. I think High Fidelity, if I'm looking at this right, early this 2000s? Right, that it's 2000. Wow. Is wow. That right? Wow. Because then I read the, the novel and it's different, but. Well, because High Fidelity was a comeback for him. Was it? Yeah. He had shit going on before then. A comeback. I don't think he's ever stopped yes. working. Yeah. No, he had a drought. He was huge in the 80s. Drought in the 90s. That was a comeback. Him he, and Jason Bateman. You have to understand, like, how huge he was. Like, in the eight, like, John Cusack was unbelievably huge. And then just oh. kind of disappeared for a while. Oh. I don't really know why. I'm sure we could look it up. But we'll, we'll, well, we'll save other listeners know, the time. I do know that he did not want to do rom-coms like ever again maybe that's what it was he was just trying to break the the, the but mold. then he ends up doing like american sweetheart but i think he's gotten to the place where he's like fuck that i'm not doing rom-coms because that's all he did in the 80s you know and high fidelity is a, not a rom-com but it has obviously romance but it's definitely divergent enough probably that it interested him um yeah i i think that's what's interesting so uh I mentioned her last week. Our, our mutual friend, Allison Inconstanti, has been catching up on our, our show. And she said, you need to talk about Generation Jones. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, Allison? You, you're high. And I didn't say that to her. But Generation Jones, apparently, according to the internet, between is, is the late stage of baby boomers and right before Generation X. People born between 1954-57 and 1964. So my parents, like I mentioned to you, didn't track with the baby boomers. And they weren't. They weren't baby boomers. Because mm. the baby boomers were the children conceived very shortly after World War II. And then there's this whole uh, late 70s, early 80s, heyday young people thing that they, they labeled Generation Jones, which I did not know that. Mm. Oh, crazy! It's kind of like my it's kind of like my little Gen Gen Y, you know. You're you're uh, yeah, it is yeah. I think that's similar to, but the thing is, is that's not like a minuscule. They like one of the words I saw for it was like a obscure, not obscure, like small niche. It's not. That's not a small niche. That's a in. That's like a substantial amount of people. That's a generation that we don't even talk about. That they get conflated with baby boomers is so strange. Sorry, I just have to get this out of the way real quick. We'll come right back to this. I looked up John Cusack's film career. He was very prolific in the nineties. I don't know. I what, thought so. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I felt like uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. He just wasn't doing. Uh, thank you. I just didn't want. I was willing to be wrong. Can you give us a list of some of his better known nineties stuff? Better known nineties stuff. Let's see. That you forgot. Uh, well, see, so, like, maybe it was because I didn't watch a lot of these films. Uh, like, Usually these opinions are subjective. It's not surprising. I mean, but but in the, let's see, Bullets Over Broadway, I never saw it, but that was pretty big. Gross Point Blank. I mean. Right. That's uh, huge. Con Air, which you, is forgettable. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And I've, I've already skipped, like other ones that were probably big i forgot that he's in con air i liked con air it's so bad good yes it's yes um Great old rock being john malkovich 
you know, oh he, yes, pushing ten, was that 98? ten red line. Yeah, Cradle Rock was ninety eight. Malkovich ninety nine. Okay, um, that's a huge avant garde film. Which one? No, Malkovich. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I recently rewatched it, and uh, it was interesting. Cameron Diaz's character thinks she's trans, which is such an interesting character choice, like honestly, earnestly played, uh, that wasn't played like that until much later, right? Like we still don't see representation like that. It was really interesting to me, that whole film. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Just, yeah. She's like, I think I'm a man. Um, and she, it was an earnest question because she was, you know, they were in John Malkovich's head. And so she liked being the male. Mm. It was interesting. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, so John Cusack didn't stop working. Uh, Jason Bateman did have a drought, and he's also top ten. Um, but he talks about his drought and then coming back with Arrested Development. That was his like resurgence. Also, sim- like two thousands too, right? Oh, I don't know. I have to. I have to look it up. No, oh, whatever, Nick. Um. Now, John Cusack was born in 1966. So, would that make him a Generation Jones? That's Gen X. Gen X. Uh, what was the year? What, what was what the I'm years? seeing here, <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, dissension, but I'm seeing 1954 to 1965. Oh, he just missed it. He just missed it. So but like, I could definitely. That's like why. A, that's what makes that was, That's what makes him so perfect for high fidelity. He's OG Gen X. Yeah. He's like geriatric. <laughs> Gen X. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really did set set a tone, because, <clears throat> yeah. Anyways, John Hughes. No, because he carries like, on like the torch, like, because like I was I was so I find Matthew Broderick so fascinating because he was so fucking cool in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and then just like never does another film or isn't just, it just like turns into a total dweeb, which I don't mean that as an insult, but he just like deflates into this like pathetic actory kind of guy. Like he plays pathetic roles, Um, which I just think it's such a weird transition from how ultimately cool he was in Ferris Bueller. Mm -hmm. But like John Cusack pretty much has been cool since he was cool. Well, he started, I mean, his second film was 16 Candles. And wasn't uh, he, how old was he, 17 max? Or was he 20 and just looked 17? I guess this was 20, uh, 84, so that would have put him at 18. 20? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 66. I don't I don't do math. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. So, Generations of the Modern Age. The last generation, 19, eight, uh, again, this is like without source, so please tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. Last generation, 1893 to 1913. Greatest generation, which is a lot of like, you know, uh, jerking off because really they were just dealing with the fucking depression and wars. 1914 to 1934, the silent generation which is 1935 to 1945, Baby Boomers, which is, oh, yeah, 1946 to 1956, Generation Jones, 1957 to 1967. This one's different. Gen X is uh, 
1968 to 1978, Gen Y, 1979 to 1989, Millennial, 1990 to 2000, um, Gen Z, 2001 to 2011, Last Gen, which is your daughter, uh, 2012 to 2022. What? Who, so who created this? And what? This is, it's obviously someone who just doesn't like people. This is called, this is from Wasteland and Sky. What the fuck is this shit? And what is, what's so last gen? Is this last name? gen? Was this, again, this is like some pixel art created fucking bullshit. Let's see. This is like just, you know how like people get their news on Instagram? That's like what I'm looking at right now. It's like <laughs> someone's full on opinion. Uh, Wiktionary. This is, again, I don't know. Silent Generation, Generation Alpha. This one refers to the last generation as Generation Alpha. Uh, generation Jones is between, is a little bit like the latter part of Baby Boomers, according to this one I'm looking at. And then Generation X is the MTV generation, which we do need to do a full deep dive on your experience with MTV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important is this to our existence as humans? <laughs> well, what's interesting to me and what you just said, which I, again, I don't know if this is important or not, is that my parents would have been the silent generation, not boom. They're not boomers. Right. Which I never really felt like they were boomers. I just always assumed, right. well, they're, they're old so isn't everybody who's old a boomer so now i want to know oh well, what is this silent generation what's this all about it's not the first time i'm hearing of it but i can't ascribe it um without looking it up so let's let's, let's look it up i i believe it's the generation that didn't really get um this has to do with the war but let me double check this all this is according to Wikipedia. The silent generation is the demographic cohort following the greatest generation and preceding the baby boomers. The silent generation is defined as people born from 1928 to 1945. So that's like right before the Great Depression and right in the middle of the World War, right? Because mm -hmm. the baby boomers are uh, people who came back from the war. Mm -hmm. um, which it's not immensely significant enough, but during times of peace after war like like women produce more men than normal it's like 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 more births of men it's like it's like our cycle anyway this uh, someone told me this and i'm not going to remember it right so i'm going to stop talking um in uh, let's see the most startling effect about the younger generation is its silence this is the, an article from time magazine November 5th, 1951, about the younger generation, which ended up using the silent generation for the first time. The most startling fact about the younger generation is its silence. With some rare exceptions, youth is nowhere near the rostrum. I don't even know what that word is. By comparison with the flaming youth of their fathers and mothers, today's younger generation is a still small flame. It does not issue manifestos, make speeches, or carry posters. It has been called the silent generation. Yeah, that I mean, that speaks more to in some ways trauma to my to my parents then what's the boomer characteristic what do they say about boomers i think it's just the financial in, 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 uh financial boons so baby boomers according to wikipedia are the demographic uh following the silent generation uh in the west boomer childhoods in the 1950s 60s saw significant reforms in education both as part of the ideological confrontation that was the world cold war and as a continuation of the interwar period okay whatever um 
In Europe and North America, many boomers came of age in a time of increasing affluence and widespread widespread government subsidies in post-war housing and education. Damn. What does that mean there's to a, you? So there's a cycle. This uh, One time when I did E. Well, I think it was the last time I did E. Or uh, Molly. Um, I had a couple different big revelations. One of them was I'm going to be um, an improv TV producer. And I saw like 10 years my next 10 years laid out in front of me and heartbeats was part of that. And then I also was able to like zoom out of the, the democracy wheel or like the democracy cycle that we go through. We hire, we elect Republicans during times of war and they deplete our resources domestically, including humans and raw materials and what have you, money and all goes into the war machine. And then we elect Democrats Democrats that then heal the nation, regenerate the population, create more, you know, babies, health, domestic uh, uh, protection. Uh, and then it gears us back up for another war. Whether mm. it's... Whether it's purposeful and there's like someone like who just got this, like the Carnegies understood that in the early 20s or something like that. It's it's there's definitely like a visible engine and recuperation period for a war. Hmm. And it's and it's and it's handled politically. Intentionally or just by by I can't I can't speak to that. I can't speak to that. My in- inclination was that it was intentionally. I think the thing that's really fucking us up right now. A, I, I, I don't love war. No one loves war. I, I, I just, I'm totally against it. Um, but um, what's, what's, what people are seeming to forget right now, if we want to continue being like a constant war state, which we are now since the early 2000s, uh, we're not healing our people. We're just going. Well, fuck you. You shouldn't have to get. So everyone's so mad that people are on unemployment right now. They won't give us universal health care. There were people that when they came back from World War II were given, like like the baby boomers thing that was saying was saying here, they were given things for having participated in the war. There was like the uh, Veteran Act. Now, they, uh, black people who were in the war were promised that and not given it. So we saw a lot of affluent white people and then people not succeeding people of color not succeeding even though they were promised the same thing so now everyone's not getting that i don't know it's just so i just learned just my my mind expanded that night about just to like zoom out and see the macro experience of it all this is all thanks to ecstasy yes (laughs) well molly it's a mind man mine Drugs are actually medicine for your brain. I do not condone anyone using drugs. I'm not a pharmacist. Uh, no, but this is a generational thing. And you see, you're calling it Molly, right? So ecstasy has gone through a name change over the years, right? Now, there are people that claim that Molly is a different experience. I'm sorry, that Molly is a diff, is is the uncut version of ecstasy. So I have... an experience of having done Molly and E on the same night. So we knew what E was. And so people were doing Molly and it was like a, in a, in a um, capsule form. And don't get me wrong. It was cut with some other shit. Like this guy used to put like something called moon rocks in it. It was like his concoction. Uh, It was a fun trip. Don't get me wrong. 
Uh, so we're at Coachella. We take the first of two Molly pills that night, and it didn't hit or quick enough to my friend's chagrin or whatever. She goes, oh, let's just split this pill that her boyfriend at the time was taking with all the dudes in our party. It's called White Puma. And we knew it was E. So we're like, oh, let's just like wait until, you know, let's, let's just amp it up. <laughs> let's take it up one notch. By the end of the night, my arms are permanently in the sky because I'm like just like dancing to the, every song. And it's next thing I know, it's six in the morning and I'm uh, like uncontrollably like dancing in my legs. Turns out that it was like like majority speed. Well, so let me explain something to you. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me just sit back. Sit back. Let me tell you the tale. All right, mother. <laughs> Basically, what they call Molly now is just pure ecstasy. But it's to say, like, was there, you don't think there was ever pure ecstasy before? So anytime you got pills, back in the day, we used to call them pures. Yeah, pures. Pures. Okay. Oh, and interesting. So, so you call it pure. So you get a capsule. It's powder form. Which is what Molly which is what is. they call Molly now. Unless, unless somebody out there wants to correct me that there's something- This is my experience. That there's something actually different about Molly. But from my understanding is all it is, is they call, they're calling pure ecstasy Molly. Back in the day, you could get pures. Um, but most, if you're in it, if ecstasy is in a pressed pill form, in order to press it, they have to cut it with either speed- Or Coke. No, or heroin. Oh. So- Shit. So you can, back in the day, <sighs> now also you say E, right? It used to be E or Molly. They also used to call it X. So it's like there was a time uh, yes, when it went from yes. E to X. And they had little yada. presses, like there was different symbols and different pills, right? Oh yeah, like... blue, blue dolphins, historically fantastic. Fantastic, <laughs> the blue dolphins. Now look, if it was white or blue, or maybe even red, it was probably pressed with speed. If it was brown, it was pressed That's heroin, with heroin. Yeah. Wow. And they would each give you different experiences. But yeah, when you would do the ones pressed with speed, oh, you better believe you're going to be <laughs> up till 6 a.m. with your arms in the air. I uh, could see why it was addictive. And it was fantastic. Now, my friend who had done the pill with me, just so you, you have like context, she was like, what the fuck is happening to us? She was like, so it was a problem for her. But I was at the time where I was like, hey, I'm on the ride, man. Let's go. It's like, and then I ended up doing like small doses of that throughout the weekend to stay awake. So I could see why it's super addictive. Now, my question is, it's not have really you ever done huh. what? Addictive. We'll get into what, what Speed addictive is means. addictive. Yes, but pressed ecstasy pills, it's a different sort of, anyways. The amount of speed that was in this pill that I took. But could you imagine being, being addicted to that to where you were doing it? all the time you just couldn't yes do it. you couldn't do it you, you would, yes i could see myself thinking i could do it your and your body would just literally give out at some point. i know someone who had a heart attack because they thought they could do speed so I, well, I'm not speed saying, is different speed is different speed on itself i'm not highly saying, addictive i'm saying a press anyways we won't get into it yada yada what did you ask? do heroin pills have i ever done a brown ecstasy pill is yes. what you're asking because it's yes. very different than saying have you done i don't know <laughs> Oh God, my family has started to listen to this. Um, I think yeah. you don't have to say if you don't want to. It's fine. Yes, I have. It's not a big deal. It was a, it, it just imagine it's the same thing. It's just more mellow as so instead of you being with your hands in the air, dancing all night, you'd probably maybe be more on the couch holding something fuzzy. 
You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So basically, people were holding your chest. Yes, people were nestling their their face into my chest. That's fantastic. Um, No, but you know what's fascinating is because back in the day, you know, most, at least people, my contemporaries, my peers, their first experience were was these pressed pills. So, so like ecstasy for us was, you know, MDMA and speed. So when we rolled, we fucking rolled. Wow. And that wow. was just that was just normal. So like what your friend was experienced was like, whoa, this is too intense. Um, because when you do was Molly, your normal setting. Yeah, that. That, yeah. When you do when you just do Molly or pure, it's just a nice, more even, manageable thing. But back in the day, yeah, you know, you used to call it like rolling your face off because you're just like. Oh, and we definitely called it rolling, but we just didn't. You didn't roll your face off. You know what rolling well, your face off is? Well, we did that night. Yeah, that night. We did that, we did, we did that night. Because literally your face is, is falling off your face. Your oh, eyes are rolling I in the always, back of your head. I knew when the molly was coming on because like my whole body would begin to tingle and my feet started feeling like they weren't like touching actual ground. I was like, oh, it's about to happen. And it was like when EM, uh, EDM was really taken off or like, you know, I'm sure I was late to the game, but Swedish House Mafia was playing at Coachella that year. It was my first Coachella. We were camping. It was a nightmare, but we also had a great time. And so the first night Swedish House Mafia was playing, I was on speed, didn't know it. My arms are perma in the air, smoking cigarettes and chewing on lozenges and gum and like drinking water. It was incredible. It was a whole fucking experience. And then, like, we're driving home from the desert. And, like, God, you guys, what a great tent show that Swedish House Mafia put on. They're like, Jessica, that was outside. <laughs> I had I lost complete context for where I was. But also, Radiohead was there that weekend. And I had a magical experience the next night with Radiohead. It was oh, really what year, interesting. What, what year was this? So, oh, so Radiohead's played a few times. I was just curious um, if it was the year I was there or not. This was, like, 16? 2016? No. 2017? No. No, I haven't been to Coachella. They played recently. like, yeah, until recently? No, anytime recently. Yeah, this was last five years, last six years, last yeah. seven years, something like that. And because Radiohead has played twice now, I think. Um, it, was a, it was just a magical, amazing experience. Um, well, they, they are a magical live show. So you- what ended up happening is that I was we were with a group of bunch of people who like I knew and another a group of people that we didn't know. So it was a large camp, but like just cool homies and you know you make friends or whatever. So we were the only ones that wanted to stay behind for Radiohead, which is like so fucking dumb. And the first half of the show was Radiohead's newer stuff, and I just knew, even though I like the newer stuff, like from, um, you know, the electronic and up to now, I knew that if we stayed it stay there one more hour we're gonna hear the og creep and uh you know the bends and shit and that that's pretty much what happened then they do something like four or five encores and people just start leaving in droves because they're like they think they're done so like they're they're like not sticking around for this band that's giving you everything and so i just grabbed the hands of the people that i was with and i weave through the people that are leaving going away and get closer as close to the stage as possible and just have like it was like drizzling outside so it was like cool and it was a song i never heard and it sounded like he was saying like come come i was like it was a wild drug experience but also super mellow that song it was no no so it was actually 
it's a song I never heard because it was an album I never listened to. Uh, I can't remember the lyric. I'll find it. Oh, uh, Ghosts. Chase the Ghosts. Uh, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, I, I happen to be a huge Radiohead fan. Every show I've ever seen them live has just been transformative. Give up the ghost. Yeah. But there are people out there who will make fun of you for being a Radiohead fan. And I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Fine, make fun of me for being a Dave Matthews fan. Fine, whatever. I get it. I can't, I don't really listen to him that much anymore. But Radiohead? I don't, I don't, I don't get how for some people like, well, that's just not cool. I think what happens when people make fun of you with that for that kind of stuff because we talked about this before. I like I love Dave Matthews. He was top of the list for me for a very long time and probably still is. I think they heard one asshole make fun of some like roast somebody for liking Radiohead, and that guy was the funny guy at the time. And so then they like people just try and like photocopy that experience and go, "I'm gonna make fun of you because it worked for that guy to make fun of that." It's like one asshat with bad music taste commanded a room by saying that oh you like radiohead you're a fucking idiot right like and then joe schmo hears him say that and so then like but it gets diluted into this weak sauce argument i get i guess yeah i don't i don't understand. that's part of it for me that's to, what i think to me they are objectively good I, I, but i i mean i get you know when they start some of their albums maybe people may not be into that's fine but on the whole the majority of their stuff in my mind is objectively good, but I, you know, who knows? It, but, but nothing is objective because it all I is. Know, I well, know. I'm just trying to be I the appreciate advocate. that. I know you're I get it. That being said, it's perhaps because they are so good. It's not dissimilar from people who love to say the Beatles aren't good. Then oh. they're just contrarians. You know what I mean? Oh, those that's, that's a, they're objectively good as well. Of course. So I, I wonder if it's, similar because i have a really if someone goes oh fuck the beatles i'm like well fuck you then because honestly you're just trying to argue with me and i don't that's not interesting to me in a in a friendship i mean i feel like you could be like you know what i i'm not into that but i but i get that they're good you know it's just like just and like, that person i can talk to yeah like i'm fine you're not in a radio head fine that's cool i get it not everybody likes that sound um but why say- can't you just say oh i'm not into it yeah Fucking dumb. Anyway, that's the end of our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. There's no, you don't know, Nick. There's no literal, there was like literally no thread that held us down <laughs> this week. Well, I don't even know if we had a like legitimate well, launch into this. This episode. actually goes all the way back to Olivia Rodrigo. We ended on Olivia Rodrigo, which was me basically saying, I love the lyrics. I'm, I like the music. I just don't think I'm going to listen to it. Right? I'm afraid to listen to it because I think I'm going to like it and I'm going to feel sad if I do <laughs> <laughs> Which is so such a cynical take. There's no shit. Yeah, that see, that's the cynical side. Like, don't hate yourself for liking it. Well, I, it's I just may a end little... up liking it. I'm, I am going to go listen to more, and I may end up liking it. I didn't know I was going to like Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande, and I like her. I don't listen to all of it. I didn't know I was going to like Taylor, and I let like because we, you and I, did come from a generation where it was really fun to shit on other people for liking popular stuff. So it's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I never did it. Just so you know, I'm not saying I'm some sort of saint or something. Okay, so you're you're good looking, you're fuckable, and you're nice. This is that's not. <laughs> and that's I'm a not unicorn. a dick. Yeah, you're not. You're a unicorn. That's just not true. Uh, Nick. Yes. I think this week the pleasure has been yours. <laughs> you had no fun today. Oh, I had so much fun. I had so much fun. 
I think we transcended today. I mean, yeah. I, I started today going, I, I, I you know, having a, a, a crazy morning. I was like, Jess, I don't got any, I don't got anything in the tank. Right. But we went on a journey. Too bad we crashed and burned also today. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> no more juice. We hit the peak and now this is it. No, I'm kidding. You know what, uh, you know what, this, you know what this podcast was like? What? It was like rolling. No, don't say it. It was like rolling on ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm glad because that's the the closest I'll get to that in my old age now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a great conversation shared with good, good, good people. Uh, bye, Nick. Bye, Jess. Bye. Nichols, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Nick and I really love doing this podcast for you. We love doing it together. We love talking about what the generational experience is like from different perspectives. And we really look forward to hearing from different things that you have to contribute to us as well. If you become a patron today, you could ask us questions if you're at a certain tier. You can get early access to episodes if we're able to get them done in time for you. You'll get sick-ass merch. And if we can find the time, a monthly deep dive where Nick and I go deep on topics that we're passionate about but aren't necessarily through the generational lens. Become a patron today. Become an official nickel. Go to patreon.com slash you don't own Nick to find out more ways you can support our podcast. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols. Now that was a JLV production.